Welcome to the Geek Geek Podcast, where Disney owns everything. I'm Void, and I'm here with my co-host, Beige. They don't own me! Yeah, yeah not yet. yet. Um, anyway, yeah. today we want to talk a little bit about Disney, and this was, well, we want to do, like, more episodes later that dive in deeper on, like, individual parts of Disney, but because we're trying not to have crazy long episodes, because this could devolve into a three-hour episode, um, <laughs> yeah. if we went into every little bit, you wanted to kind of talk about, like, you call it the four tiers of Disney movies, and you kind of broke it out into eras, so this was more your idea than my idea, right. so I don't have as fleshed out notes as we normally do, which I'm fine with, you said you got it. Um, yep. Do you want to, like, walk through your thinking here? Well, yeah. I mean, I've always been this Disney kid, right? I was the one, whenever I was growing up, I had Disney afternoon going on every day. I was watching Gummy Bears. I was just just this huge cartoon kid. I mean, I still am this huge cartoon kid. And I started really thinking about this when I signed up for the uh, Run Disney races, where I'm going to be going to the parks again. And I really love Disney World. And so when we were thinking about this, I know you you and I had talked about Moana and some of the other stuff that we just haven't seen yet. And with The Incredibles 2 coming out soon, we uh, we were talking about how we, you need to go back and rewatch it uh, and just really get a lot of the, the meaning. Not necessarily meaning, but why other people find so much meaning in it and keep going back to it. So I was thinking about this and especially because of the Incredibles and Moana and like Zootopia you and I talked about that I was thinking about these four tiers of Disney movies right so I think about the classics I mean you've got stuff like Snow White would be in the first animated uh feature-length Disney movie, Cinderella, Mickey Mouse, uh, Alice in Wonderland, these where they're the older ones and they're the ones that Sleeping Beauty that we the ones that we always go back for that you look at and like these are Disney, right? You you think about the Magic Kingdom at Disney World or or Disneyland with the castle, it's it's these that you think about. And love them or hate them, you can watch them now or not. They're they're the classics, they're there. Those are kind of that quintessential Disney. So like my main question with that one, because I, right. I agree, I totally know when you put classics, kind of what you meant. But I mean, that probably kicks off with like Steamboat Willie, like way back yeah. when. Where does that end? Because you also the next one on here you have is Golden Era. And I'm kind of assuming right. this is what like you and I grew up with, like when they were really in their stride with 2D animation. Is that right? Yep. Okay. So what's the inflection point there? Like, where does it go from like a classic to a golden era? It's got to be sometime what after Little Mermaid before Aladdin, like Little Mermaid mermaid is where i think of it as starting for me like that in my mind little mermaid is really the beginning of what the golden era was like you and i growing up and okay. uh, uh, it was where that was the first of like those alan minken musicals that really hit on that, that cultural touch point where before that you had things like the rescuers i think it was before that uh the rescuers um aristocats and stuff like that where they're good but they're not like i'm gonna sit and watch the lion king every day for months and months when i come home from school and they're not the i can't wait to go have dinner with the rescuers at disney world where that's cool but it's not like you're not gonna pay 300 dollars for a, a rescuers meal which by the way it does cost about 300 dollars for three people uh uh, to eat at Cinderella's Castle right now in, in Orlando. It's absurd. Uh, and you have to prepay. Wow, that's crazy. Just, yeah. That's nuts. a lot. 
Yeah, so, like, that's really what I think of when I think of where they end, like, for me. And I don't even think it's me growing up in that. You know, you and me in that era. It's like, yeah, that's what we grew up as kids, but that was where Disney changed. That's where, like, a lot of their princess stuff came from, where they've kind of retroactively added in, like Snow White and Aurora, that you'll see a lot of the stuff from that age starting started marketing Jasmine and Mulan and, uh, and, and Ariel as being these main ones, and then reintroducing uh, Snow White and uh, Sleeping Beauty and stuff as they did, like, the DVD and v- or the VHS, and then the DVD releases. Yeah, I mean, in in my mind, like from that era, the ones that stick out from like that childhood and like you said, after well, our childhood, but um, right, like when you're right, there's something that happened there. There was a tipping point from that that classics into that, like really in their prime 2D movie era. Yeah. Um, And the ones that stick out in my mind are like a Lion King, uh, Aladdin, Mulan. There's a bunch of other ones that I also like loved at the time but those are kind of like i don't know why those three are the standout ones for me like they're highlighted in my mind and you know i watched everything else that came out i watched oh, yeah. aladdin 2 and 3 which probably aren't the greatest uh examples I, but stuff like do you um, own aladdin Hercules. 2 and 3 because i still have the dvds of them on my shelf i don't no i don't own most of my childhood vhs's because i don't want vhs's around my house um oh those are on dvd well, the thing is, like, Disney is going to get to their streaming service here eventually, oh, yeah. and it's coming I'm sooner so rather than later. So I might as well yep. just wait. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, like, this is one of those things where you could really see where Disney was downgrading, like, really descending into... And, and it, let me let me stop right there. It's Disney is a marketing and merchandising monster. I mean, we all know that. We cannot escape it. Like, their entire thing is trying to sell you on... Sell you all of this stuff. Sell your kids these thousand different Tsum Tsums of these different characters or Disney princess dresses or just whatever it is. Your, your, the Hot Wheels cars uh type stuff like that i mean that's what they are but it really in this golden era like there was the little mermaid the lion king aladdin mulan hercules all this stuff that that like you said that just stand out and then they started with aladdin 2 and aladdin 3 and the little mermaid 2 and 3 and then they started like uh cinderella 2 and they did a cinderella 3 like a a twist in time or a stitch in time something like that and that was really when they started getting into these we're just in it for the money movies where it's like we are not we don't care about quality we don't care if they are these classics that are gonna last like sleeping beauty snow white alice in wonderland uh lion king and aladdin where you started getting these sequels that led right into what i labeled as the dumb era like, yeah i was gonna ask I think you know I mean, that exactly makes sense what to me. that is it, I do. I think I know what it is. I, I know the movies that came. I can't even remember them, but I'm sure as you say the titles, I'll be like, oh, yeah, that was one. That was one. There was this era before they really got into like 3D animation yep. where they had these 2D movies and they just lost the plot completely. Like they weren't movies that resonated with anybody and they just Anyone. did horribly. And like, I wasn't there one about a bear or Alaska Brother or bear. something? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, Brother like, Bear is right in the center of this in my mind because okay, I what were wanted the other ones? to love I legitimately it. don't remember. I just remember they were bad. Okay, for me, I mean, okay, we talked about the golden era there and we did forget talking about Pocahontas, which while I 
hated Pocahontas, and even going back as an adult, I still hate it. There are people like my wife, and I know there are listeners out there who love it. And like it is a Disney princess movie and fantastic for them. And so I don't want to avoid, you know, at least mentioning that one because somebody's going to uh, tweet us and be like, Where's Pocahontas? And because well, Pocahontas is one that like. I liked as a kid a lot. Right. And now as an adult, I have a lot of issues with it, but it's from right. a different reason and a different perspective. perspective yeah yeah and well you have that one and then like as it moved on you started getting things like the emperor's new groove that came after hercules and the hunchback of notre dame and those are really where it started to be like these are okay that they're not bad movies by any means but they're i would i would argue all right that uh the emperor's new groove is actually really good it's like really okay. good but see, and I don't like it. That's see, one where it's kind of yeah. There's matters of opinion here, but I I understand what you're getting at. Like there's it it didn't go from really really amazing classics to horrible right. overnight. There was kind of like a slippery slope. Yeah, there's this like universally accepted Lion King, Aladdin, all of this. These are wonderful, and then you have these like Hunchback and and Emperor's New Groove, where they're more of an an opinion on which side they fall, and then you start getting into things like Brother Bear and Brother Bear Two, Chicken Little. Do you remember Chicken Little? Oh, I forgot that was oh. even a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah, Chicken little you've got it's not home on the range um uh oh i can't think of the name of it i'm googling it while i talk here because um it was it had roseanne in it uh and it it was it was home on the range that was what it was I, i was wrong um home on the range this is where i stopped caring that i was in college at this point home on the range i didn't see it in the theater which was unlike me and i i was during that phase of i was collecting Disney movies and so it came out on on DVD and I bought the DVD and I stopped watching it. It was the first Disney movie that I just ever straight up stopped because it was so bad. It was so poorly written. The animation was just meh and it had Roseanne Barr as one of the main characters and I like the Roseanne show but it felt off it felt wrong and it felt like disney had phoned it in and i kind of just stopped caring at that point and and a lot of people did because you had things like meet the robinsons which i liked but other people hated and it was because disney studios and pixar had separated that they were completely different things and uh within these entities you had the all of the creative talent over at pixar doing things like toy story and toy story 2 and the incredibles and then you had chicken little and home on the range and brother bear 2 and they were just such a there was such a dichotomy here that there is no other way to call it than this dumb era i mean they were dumb for putting this stuff out they had fallen apart and then they started moving out of that when they realized that stock was falling that people were just not interested uh, box office was just plummeting and they had to do something so they basically brought pick Pixar in and reintegrated those teams. Yeah, and like Pixar was 
Pixar was good. Like most of the time, yeah. Pixar was good. They haven't had a whole lot of flops. There's a couple, and most of them are like sequels or like the third movie in a series, um, which right. that's a whole different issue we don't need to get into. But you're right. Once they started reintegrating like Pixar back in, I, I think in my mind, the modern era, which is what you have it labeled here, where like things get good again and we care yeah. once again, it probably starts with Tangled because yes. Tangled is the first one that is that like 3D movie, super high quality. It's like as good as a Pixar movie, but it's from yep. Disney instead of Pixar. And that was exactly what I was going to say, that Jennifer and I were at Disney World right before Tangled came out. And this was in 2010. And we uh, we were there for work at, at a conference and so we had just gone down to disney while we were just a couple hours away and this was the trip where i uh i realized that i needed to not be fat anymore so it was a really good trip overall and we saw a poster for tangled and we we love disney but we didn't love these recent movies so we were still there but we saw this and they were doing these presentations and they had these videos showing kind of demoing it and they actually had some animators working on stuff uh that you could just go in and watch while they did it was really really cool and it looked good and we were really taken aback by just the quality that it seemed like they were putting back into this for being a disney movie and not pixar like you said that it was kind of that hopeful like oh maybe this is going to change and it really did everything after that really changed because i like tangled it's not one that i've gone back and seen a whole lot i've, I've only maybe seen it twice but I really liked it when I saw it, but it was still for me that transition. But kids latched onto it. Rapunzel, it just kind of hit everything being this fantastic new movie with um with a princess in it. And I think didn't it have Alan Minken or as a as a writer for the music in it? I don't, you're asking the wrong person that kind of question. <laughs> um yes, Tangled was the first one in years that had Alan Minken as a as a songwriter uh googled it okay. again where that was going back straight up disney realized when it was great which was the alan minken and uh, howard he passed away um i can't remember his name now my goodness uh, that's terrible uh howard ashman who they uh they were writing all of these movies together they did little mermaid and beauty and the beast and aladdin and pocahontas they they were doing this and so tangled was the first one that they brought him back on they're like we need to get back into this musical uh these musical movies that really worked we need to to figure out what's going to save this company and Tangled did it with Alan Minken. So that really got into this modern era where now Disney is because of that, because they did that, they are this mega corporation, this mega conglomerate, even bigger than they ever have been with Marvel and Star Wars and Pixar well, and even, everything. Like, even before Marvel and Star Wars and that kind of stuff. I mean, I know it kind of goes alongside it, but um, you know, after Tangled, they it, it's like after Tangled, um, Tangled was still more of a kids movie than an everyone movie. And that's fine. Yes. Like I, I like it for what it is. But if you look at like Zootopia and Moana and oh, a couple man. from the last few years, they're just straight up good movies. Like even yeah. as an adult, like I've seen those a few times and I don't usually rewatch movies. And it's because like 
they I like them and they're good and my kids want to watch them. But when my kids start to watch one again, I'll sit down and enjoy it. Whereas mm-hmm. most kids movies, if my kids sit down to watch them after the first time, like I will I will sit through a bad kids movie with my kids because I'm a parent and that's what you do. But after yep. that first time, they're like, we want to watch whatever again. You're like, yeah, you go right ahead. I'm going to be over here doing something else. <laughs> um, yep. That's not the case for like Moana. Like I've watched Moana a bunch of times and same thing with Zootopia just because they start to watch it and I'm doing something else around the house and I kind of wander by a few times until I'm invested <laughs> and then I sit down and I watch it so that's a shift that should be noted too is that like Disney's finally getting back to the everybody movie which yeah. in a way like Lion King, Aladdin, Mulan I can still watch those and enjoy them as an adult uh-huh. like there's something to be said for getting back to that way of movie making but then like you said they also started getting into Marvel they started getting into Star Wars and we probably have a lot of thoughts about about those i know yeah. we've talked about that across so many episodes what do you want to say about star wars and marvel I mean, in this context i don't have a lot to say about star wars i'm not really that into it um no but it was the moana and zootopia are really good uh thing uh topics there like that you brought up because like zootopia i'm sitting there watching that and i i am astonished by the commentary that it has it like slaps you in the face there are a lot of movies where you can the undertones those kind of political ideas those they're under the surface where it's like the adults see them but the kids don't and zootopia was one where i'm like Man, they wanted kids to understand that. Kind of like the Incredibles with the uh, No Child Left Behind stuff, where you can already see in the Incredibles 2 trailer that they've released that it's going to be a common core uh, education thing that Brad Bird is hitting on. And I like they're they're not doing that so much with Star Wars, which I understand, which I'm I'm fine with. But uh, they are starting to do that more with Marvel, which I really appreciate because Black Panther, uh, which I don't know if you've seen yet, but I'm sure that you uh, have read everything in the world about is kind yeah, of... I've read a lot. I haven't seen it. I want to, and I will soon-ish, hopefully. I'm probably going to... I asked a couple... I don't know. It's I've talked about this before. It's really hard to get to the movies when you have kids, but yeah. I will go see it while it's still in theaters, for sure. I really think you should, because it's kind of that Zootopia level of uh, slapping you in the face with these issues while not making you aware of them if it if that makes any sense it's like you're not you don't feel as though you're being lectured kind of like the end of happy feet where it goes from a dancing penguin movie into a you have to save the oceans ah, voiceover kind of thing it's just that these are presented as part of the narrative and i think that disney is getting better and better at that over the years as they move into honestly this mega conglomerate where they have the resources to do that and they're not nearly as strained as DreamWorks or something like that where they have to keep putting out these same kinds of movies that are not memorable but fun to watch once. Yeah, well, and like Marvel, I I really like what they're doing with Marvel Studios because it all feels so earned, right? Right. Which this kind of ties into like some of my geekery because I watched Justice League this week. So we'll come back to that <laughs> as an idea. But like the the fact that they've taken 10 years to build up to it. And while I would love for them to get out of that typical superhero mold quicker, they are getting out of it. And yes, I needed that to happen. Otherwise, I would have started zoning, which I kind of have already. I've kind of started mm-hmm. tuning out some of the first movies with new heroes because I'm like, whatever. I, I know what's going to happen. Um, And as they get away from... 
I don't know. I feel like Doctor Strange kind of broke the mold a little, not hugely, but it got a little bit out of that, right? And um, from what I'm hearing about Black Panther, it also does that, right? First movie for a superhero, but it doesn't just follow that normal path that you can predict everything. So that's good, and they need to go further with that, but they are making progress, and it feels really earned. I think that the telling part is going to be Infinity War and Infinity War Part Two along with those two in-between movies are going to be telling, I think. Yeah, I really because, think they're going to be. Well, one of them is Captain Marvel, which is like mm-hmm. they're going to, I think it goes back to the 90s, and then it, it does. introduces Carol Danvers, as, and she ends up being Captain Marvel. Like, that movie has so much potential to really show what they can do. Um, yeah. So I'm anticipating that one. And then the other one is, isn't it Ant-Man and the Wasp? Mm-hmm. Which yep, Ant-Man I, and the Wasp. I don't know how I feel about that one. We'll see when it comes it, out. I don't, I don't. The first one was all right, but I don't know. Maybe they'll do something. The first one was fun. I mean, and that's what I expect out of this one. I mean, Ant-Man, that's the only thing that I don't like about the Ant-Man franchise now is that they've really shied away from the issues that actually came up through him with domestic assault and alcoholism and dealing with it. But they've gone the fun route, which is fine. But I think that, movies like black panther and and uh uh carol danvers uh, and captain marvel are going to be able to address a lot more of them just based on the audience and demographic they're going for yeah for sure and then uh, i mean we have so many podcasts about star wars already that i don't want to dive deep into it here except to say that i was very very apprehensive when disney took over star wars and now I feel like it's probably the best thing that could have happened to Star Wars. And again, if you want all my thoughts on why uh, and like how things have changed over time, go listen to all of the other Star Wars episodes that we have. Yeah. I mean, we've said a lot about it. And I'm, I am not as gung-ho Star Wars as I was before. Uh, Marvel actually or uh, Disney actually picked it up and I was really excited when they did it because of how how they handled the Marvel movies that I knew they knew how to handle these universes that that were not necessarily their own creations so I wasn't really hesitant about that my hesitation is that I'm going to get burned out on Star Wars movies and I think it's because they're coming out every year or more that a solo coming out in May is not something that I, I I'm excited for Donald Glover as Lando more than I am anything else about the movie. And the more I read about it, I'm just like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be another Rogue One style for me where I hope I like it more than it. And I hope to watch it more than a couple of times. But I'm not expecting anything great out of it. I would just argue that like anybody who took over Star Wars would start making a yearly movie. Oh, And you would feel the same way. So absolutely. if you have that in mind, I think Disney is still the best thing that could have happened to it. Oh, right. Yeah. Anyone who took it is going to do this with it. And I think Disney is probably the best people to do the execution of it. Oh, yeah. Undoubtedly, in my mind, that's the case. I mean, the only other way that I would want it is if no one made Star Wars movies. I mean, honestly, yeah, I, don't, I, don't I would that. rather there. Yeah, I would rather there be nothing than it done poorly. And I think that they're handling it really well. I'm just apprehensive about the Star Wars stories that they're doing the anthology movies. Yeah, and time will tell with those. Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, well, that was a quick high-level overview of our thoughts on Disney, but we do want to dive in deep on like a bunch of those things we touched on. So if you guys have anything in particular you want us to start with, please let us know. Quick geeky offer of the week. 
it's still a really good time of year to check out games because like there's not a whole lot of releases so if you're playing catch-up you can get a gamefly offer you can get a month of gamefly for free and get games sent to you and it helps the podcast so if you go to gameflyoffer.com slash geek you can get a free one month trial which is pretty sweet um she also mentioned the network this week not everybody's episode is out yet for the week because we're recording a little early but tea time with katie and chelsea they talked about anime it was actually katie and a couple guests this week um and they talked about anime uh geekitude i don't know but there'll be an episode <laughs> of some kind geek two is always good with joe and then uh the comic box so rob had the second part of his P- black panther review with him and fletch which was interesting to listen to beyond that let's get into weekly geekery so you don't have a ton this week right i don't and i, I don't know what happened to the week it's it's this weird place where i've been working a lot i've been running a lot and it's kind of put me in this weird gaming meh, where i i can't care about any of them and i keep starting to, to play things and i just don't want to invest time in anything and i've tried multiple things where i started downloading final fantasy 15 again to to uh like try some of the dlc and i was just like eh, i don't care about this and didn't even do it where and that's okay i go through phases like this where i'll do episodic stuff or i'll do smaller uh things where i've been playing overwatch more and more because i can do like one match at a time but my computer like i'd mentioned last week the the graphics card is acting up with overwatch and it keeps crashing and it actually got me banned from competitive capture the flag which makes me really mad and because I rejoin the matches that it means that there's something fundamentally wrong in my opinion with the code where if you get back in you didn't pull the plug so I don't like that I've also gotten a little bit of just kind of overwatch fatigue like you always do I always go back during the events to get new stuff I got the mercy skin that I wanted from boxes so I'm cool and then I finished altered carbon Uh, finally I had two episodes left and never had time to sit down and watch them and finally sat down the other night and watched them and i I love that series. They've done so well on it. And while they changed a whole bunch and combined a whole lot of stuff to streamline it for the TV, for the actual medium that they're in, they did it really, really well. And I've watched a couple of interviews with the showrunner. I can't remember her name now and why they made these choices and why they made these changes. And they're completely understandable they work way better than any of the other stuff that they could have uh that they could have done and i only wish that they had not changed one thing about this show so far and that was just the way that uh for takeshi's backdrop like his backstory i thought it was more interesting in the books than what they did in the in the tv show and i also love the casting i don't think i mentioned this before but something for you they uh the character quellchrist fact quellchrist falconer is in the is in the show and it's played by the lady who played angelica in the original production of hamilton oh interesting so okay. so she's cool. really cool i like her a lot so so that was what i did this week not much got mad at overwatch and i watched a couple episodes of tv i took a couple of naps and watched running shoe reviews on youtube before i fell asleep if that matter if that counts <laughs> i guess that counts um so i did want to mention with your weed weird gaming meh thing with like final fantasy uh i keep thinking about like you know whenever it's done i want to go back and replay it and like do the whole mm-hmm. thing start to finish again and with the royal edition that it's, it either just came out or is just coming out with the and the pc release like it's all kind of coinciding um yeah. i thought it might be a good time but they just announced that they're going to release content through 2019 and it's Jiminy just like cricket 
Um, why? Like, I just don't. Okay, I, I've talked about it before. Like, I they can stop patching that game. I don't care. Just move on to the next one, please. Um, that's all Did I have to say, say about that. Before we move past that, I do want to ask because I, uh, one of my friends sent me this on Facebook. Did you see one of the DLCs that they're putting out for PC is going to be Gordon from Half Life, including his crowbar? Yes. Yep. Yes. I just I just wanted to let you know about that because they have no, these really weird crossovers, and if, I hadn't heard you mention it, so I wanted to make sure that you knew that so that I could hear that tone in your voice. Ugh. Yeah, there no. it is. I knew that. Okay. Um, <laughs> this week, so I got around to watching Justice League finally because it's out on digital or at home or whatever you want to call it these days. Yep. And I feel like I've heard everybody talk about it so much, so I don't want to like beat a dead horse here but um the main thing that stuck out to me was just like the unearned emotions in it like it just mm. it, it wants you to feel like the avengers or like infinity war like it's a huge yep. thing and it just doesn't have that um and then there's a whole through line of the movie that's like oh what are we going to do without superman superman was so important but the thing was the universe they built nobody ever liked superman so nope. it feels like this really weird whiplash where i'm like wait what why is everybody longing for superman they hated him the whole time that's what this entire thing had been leading up to with the last movie like yeah i mean like, in I, man of steel they hated superman yeah that was the thing in batman versus superman they wanted to you know they thought he was a danger because if something happened they couldn't trust him and then in this one you say that they're i haven't seen it yet uh, that they're like oh no superman world without yeah, superman no Sad like times. one of the main story points throughout the whole thing is oh my gosh what are we going to do without superman he was the most important thing ever we all loved him so much like it it's this thing that didn't exist in the universe until they just decided that it would because it made this movie make more sense but it doesn't right because okay. of what they've done in the past it makes this movie make less sense it's really weird so um outside of that again i'm not gonna nitpick all of the things which you could do that for hours with this movie um, right it's that like nothing in this movie really had and I, I couldn't find the word here, but it's like it, it didn't have weight. It didn't have an impact. Yeah. It didn't have meaning. It just didn't feel meaningful. It felt empty and like hollow mm -hmm. in a weird way that I don't get from the Marvel movies. Like the Marvel movies, some I like, some I don't like, some work better for me than others, but they all have like uh, some weight behind them. They have something right They're like, yeah, contribute. They have something to say or they're contributing to the overall story or I don't know. There's actual substance there. And this one just feels like there isn't in a strange way. So I really want to know what you think whenever you get around to watching it. Right. And it's going to be soon. Right now you can buy it. And Jennifer and I, neither one, want to pay the 20 bucks for it. So when we can rent it, we're going to get it and watch it cheaper one of the things that we're we want to see is wonder woman i mean we both love gal gadot and she is fantastic we love her we're gonna watch it just for anything she's in even though i know i've read a, a plot summary i've read everything that happens in it and with the villain and i don't understand their villain choices in dc that they're you know they started out really well with with zod and then going the route they did in justice league i don't understand why they did that instead of something else but i don't want to give any spoilers for it but even though i haven't seen it i don't want to give spoilers for that but yeah it seems like they are making a series of subpar decisions where they're going one step below where they should and they can't yeah. just they can't they can't break out of mediocrity because they don't quite understand what the audience wants yeah there's a 
Yeah, no, there's a lot to be said there. I, yes. I just think that I'm glad, again, just like when I watch Batman vs. Superman, I'm glad that I have watched it so that I have the cultural context when people talk about it, but I don't see myself ever actually watching this movie again, which is fine. Right. Okay. So there's a lot of movies like that. That's, That's okay. what I expect out of it, too. Yeah. Um. So I played a bunch this week. Um. I played Celeste because I wrapped Monster Hunter finally, <laughs> and um, I needed a palate cleanser. So Celeste is like a platformer in the vein of Super Meat Boy where you die a whole lot. Um, it's not as it's not as like gruesome as Super Meat Boy, but it's the same kind of like you die a lot and you keep trying, but you get better at the game. Um, and there's an actual story in this platformer, which is pretty good. It kind of touches on maybe not directly mental illness, but like kind of, hmm. uh, you know, having problems with yourself and how you feel about yourself. I mean, it does touch a little bit on like anxiety Neat. and like panic attacks, but in the end it becomes about um like, I don't know, being determined to accomplish something despite yourself. And there's an wow. actual story in here that has an arc to it that's really, really good. So that's that was really kind of cool. cool to see when I went in just expecting a platformer, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. How many times did you die? Um, I don't know, like a thousand somewhere okay. in there. Because I know that I mean, uh, that Capsule J had tweeted that he had died 1,600 times in it. So I was really curious on, because I didn't know that it kept track of it, uh, even though it was a Super Meat Boy type game, that uh, I just wanted to see if you remembered what it was. I'm just curious, because that's a lot of dying. Yeah, it's one of those where it's like every time you die, you instantly restart on that screen. Right. So you never yeah. actually lose progress. And you can like you can die like 10 times in like a few seconds. You can just oh, rapid yeah. fire through them. So it doesn't ever feel bad to die, which is good um jennifer thought i was crazy playing super meat boy laughing like i did because i would die over and over and she would watch me die over and over and i'm just cackling and giggling like this is ridiculous hard and she's like why are you i don't understand why you're laughing and it's like you you it it's a thing yeah so it's good it's uh it's not super long which is actually why i picked it i think Mm. it was like five ish hours for me um yeah that's what i've heard but again I'm pretty good at platformers, so if you're not, it's going to take you a little bit more time, but it, not massively more time. Um, you know, it's not a giant 20-hour game. Like, it's it's shorter, which is cool. So, yeah, Celeste gets, you know, my recommendation for a quick palate cleanser, decent enough uh, platformer. I, I also played Florence, which, have you heard of Florence? I haven't heard of Florence. I okay, live in so, Florence, but I, I've not <laughs> heard of the game. It's like a... Is this game about I me? Mean, it's... No, it's kind of a visual, it's not a visual novel, it's kind of a comic, but it's kind of an interactive comic, but it's kind of a WarioWare-esque minigame game, Hmm. where you walk through this story of Florence, and throughout the course of it, it's not that long, like start to finish, it's a couple hours, but the game is only like, it's on iOS, it's on Android, it's only like two or three bucks, like it's a quick uh, grab. Um, But really, if you think about it as like, comic plus or like an interactive comic Mm. that goes above and beyond almost every other interactive comic out there that's probably the better way to look at it than looking at it as a game i mean there's a bunch of little things right so just as an example like the very first day the very first chapter you kind of see her routine as she wakes up and like when she stands in front of the thing to like brush her teeth there's a little mini game where you grab the toothbrush and you move it back and forth a couple times until a meter fills up right (laughs) so when i say warioware-esque that's what i mean it's like these micro games that take you all of like five to ten seconds maybe 
maybe 15 for some of the longer ones, but most of them yeah. are super quick. That, that's a, I, Those are weird to me because they're always fun and there's no reason why. Yeah, yeah, like, no, I, it's it, that. But it's also this one is because they're trying to tell a story. So everyone right. is tied into the story, which unlike WarioWare, where it's just random because it's random, this is actually mm-hmm. like structured in a way that makes a lot of sense. So I like that. I don't think I have a whole lot else to say about it, except if you like comics, you should probably grab Florence and check it out just because <laughs> it's it's I, I would like to see more things like this. You know, it's one step up from comics, but not quite a full game either. But it's worth your time. It's um, really cool. Yeah, it is cool. I played Subnautica finally. Well, not finally. I had played Subnautica in early access and got really frustrated with it because it was in early access and it wasn't all there yet. Um, so I still owned it and it's out of early access. So I finally sat down and played it. And it's really, really good for a survival game, but it's oh, still a survival game. So I didn't know it was a survival game. I've looked at it multiple yeah. times. It's just never I've never noticed it was a survival game. Yeah, so in the end, I played probably three-ish hours of it, and I felt like I made a lot of progress, but I got fed up with having to go back to my ship all the time, Mm. like my escape pod ship thing. Um, You know, I got annoyed with keeping the meters full instead of just like having fun exploring like the survival aspect isn't the fun part to me once you figure out the basic loop of like okay well here's the thing i need to keep my like h2o you know like my water full here's what i need to do to keep my hunger meter full this will keep my health full once you have solved that the first time which you know it it might take you half an hour 45 minutes it's not fun after that it's just going through the motions which is kind of how i feel with every survival game when i get to that point and then the other thing is like there's not enough storage in this game and i'm sure it's there because they want to make it a challenge that you have to juggle your resources and you can only hold so many things between your inventory and your capsules inventory and all the storage lockers that you have to like go out of your way to make but it's not a fun gameplay mechanic. Like I just, I don't think inventory juggling is ever a fun gameplay mechanic. So there is, I should say there is an exploration mode, but the thing is I had worked so hard from like three, three and a half hours of progress (laughs) that I didn't want to restart in exploration mode, which I think gets rid of everything except one of your meters. I don't remember which meter it might be health. It might get rid of all of your other meters except for like the straight up damage that you take. So that's an option. Um, I probably should have started with it, but I wouldn't have seen what the game was actually intended to be. So yeah. now I'm in this weird spot where I'm like, I probably might still have fun if I play this on exploration, but I don't want to redo the three and a half hours I already did. And I can't yeah. convert my save file from survival to exploration. I couldn't find a way anyway that I saw. Which is kind of dumb. I hate it when games do that, where I want to be able to just you know, if I get frustrated or want to move on through, I like being able to adjust difficulty in the middle of something. Yeah. And I really liked the world that they had laid out and the story that it was starting to tell. Like I wanted to explore the world more. So maybe, maybe I'll go back to it someday and just play an exploration mode. Cause that's probably what I should do. It'll appeal to me more better. Um, but if you do like survival games, then definitely go get Subnautica because it's probably the best survival game I played in years. Yeah, years. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then the other thing that I still am playing a bunch of is Fortnite. And I mention it again because they just launched Fortnite Battle Royale Season 3, which is interesting because it's almost like a subscription, but not quite, mm-hmm. right? So instead of like subscribing to this game... Every time there's a new season, you can buy a season pass, which is like $9 or $10, something in there. And you don't have to, but you can. And it gives you all these extra bonuses that don't help with gameplay, but they help with progression. Does that make sense? Kind of. Like, what do you mean? Because I don't, I really, 
don't like Fortnite, and so I've not paid very much attention to it. So I don't actually know what the progression system is. I know there are levels, okay. but I don't yeah, know so what you get for it. It's it's weird because the levels don't actually matter. What happens is as you level up, you get these like little I don't even know what they're called, but they're like metals. Um, you know, like this shiny metal thing, um, token all that you almost get. It's not quite a token. It's not a currency, but it's like it, it's badge? like metals. It's like a badge. Yeah, exactly. Like so, an achievement type thing? Uh, not quite. It's really weird. It's this in-between thing. So let's just call it a metal for lack of a better term. <laughs> so when you level up, you will get a certain amount of metals. Sometimes it's one. Sometimes it's like... So if you hit like level five, right? Because it's a bigger round number that's more of a milestone, maybe you'll get 10 medals for that. When it, you hit level 11, maybe you get one. But then when you hit 15, you get another five. It's that kind of thing where it's variable okay. from like level to level. So the levels don't actually matter. What matters is your your medals because you can get medals by doing that, but you can also get medals by doing like daily challenges sometimes. Right. Um, there's all of these different ways to get medals and experience. And so medals and experience tie back into each other. But at the end of the day, the amount of medals you have determine what tier you're on just to complicate things more so every 10 medals gives you one more tier of progression and those purely unlock cosmetic stuff but that's kind of the meta loop is you're after the cosmetic Hmm. stuff from these different tiers so what happens is if you buy this battle pass which is for the season right and a season they haven't said how long each one's going to be for sure, but so far each one is like a month and a half. So not quite a monthly subscription, right? But right. a little more than that, like a month and a half, two months, something like that. Um, you get like an XP boost. You get a couple other things. It'll give you like 10 tiers right away just to get you kickstarted off of it. Um, and then what happens is every tier you unlock, you not only get like the default rewards, but you get the battle pass rewards too. So it's... All of these really complicated systems tying into one another, but at the end of the day, if you just go and buy this battle pass and then you forget about it, you're going to get like so many more cosmetic rewards to the point Mm. where I picked it up for season two and I picked it up for season three. And I don't regret that $9 at all. It's It's been totally awesome. And I'm just, I'm actually really tired of hearing about Fortnite. Not not you here, but it's like everywhere else. Like, like I like hearing you talk about it because you're somebody who I trust and you're legitimately interested in it. But there are so many kind of dude bros out there about Fortnite right now that it's really obnoxious where it's almost kind of becoming uh, worse than PUBG players in uh, in my mind where it's just, they're intense about it and all of my recommendations on youtube when i look at anything about gaming is just looking at top tier uh fortnite players and every time i i've clicked into them and tried to watch them before just to see what high level of this that that i'm missing on it and the people are jerks and i don't understand why this kind of game breeds that and i think that may be why i also don't like the uh didn't like the game very much is that the the people weren't fun to play with yeah i mean i'm you know any competitive game gets that community like yeah. PUBG, i feel like is the exact same way i just don't interact with that community at all i play basically solo all the time and i'm playing super casually like people who are serious they're you know listening to every sound in the environment and stuff i literally yeah. don't even have my headphones on i have a podcast in one ear and i'm listening to my family with the other like i'm basically <laughs> playing a game where sound is super important and i play it without sound and i still win sometimes like i've gotten two wins now which okay. but i've i've gotten to that second place spot so many times so it's like i'm doing fine like i'm you know i'm not great at the game but i'm good enough at the game and yeah. 
I don't know. It's it's fun for me to play it casually, which is what I'm having fun with. I don't want to go yeah. hardcore into it. I, I would like more people to play with me. Like, I wish more of my friends were interested in this, but all of them seem to be interested in PUBG, which is fine. Mm. It's kind of the same game, even though it's not the same game. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But the other thing I want to mention with Season 3 that I really appreciate was, and more games should do this. I, I bring it up because this is really the reason I wanted to talk about it, because I want more games to do this. They added so many more challenges. So... The challenges are just like it. I, I don't know. It's almost like um, the achievement level, you know, like get a couple kills with this or do so much damage right. with that. Yeah, that's the basic level ones. But they finally figured out that like that drives a lot of people. And I like it because it gives me more chances to play a game in ways that I wouldn't normally. So with if you pick up this battle pass, it gives you a different set of challenges every week and they unlock oh. week by week. So we can only work on week one right now. And then I think when week two comes around, um, week one stays open and it says here are two, 10 new challenges for the week. If you do four of them, you'll unlock this weekly reward, which is like a big reward, which is pretty nice. Okay. The, they're cool. Because some of them are like land in 10 different named areas of the map. And that hmm. was something that I was just like, oh, yeah, I do have a couple that I go to all the time. Maybe I should branch out. Um, oh, so it's okay. things like that, right? That it's it's encouraging you to play a game in a way that you don't normally play it. That's, That's the kind cool. of challenge that I really appreciate. And the fact that... I, I know that I will always stall out on challenges. I'll get to something that I just can't do, right? Like, get 10 yep. pistol kills. I'm like, I'm never going to do that. I just suck with the pistol. It's not going to happen. But if you only have to do 4 of 10 in a week to really get the reward, you can probably find 4 you can do. And then the other thing is, next week, there's another 10 that you can start on. So... It's like every week, all season, they're unlocking new challenges, plus you have your dailies, plus you have like the ones that are, you know, seasonally based. So there's so many different challenges to work on that there's always something that I can kind of open the challenge menu now and go, hmm, what do I want to work on? That one. That Mm. looks fun. And then I'll dive in and try to do that for a couple games. See, now that's really cool. Like, I really like the idea of the, actually, it's the non-combat challenge, like you mentioned, the the landing in 10 different places. Those are fun. That kind of thing in games. I'm like, oh, yeah, I want to see this and do all of it. Those are that's really cool. On top of it, keeping you playing 10 different games or at least where it's uh, it's something to strive for, even in kind of a I don't even want to say a not fun part of the game, but uh, just entering the game, you have something to do. Well, one of them, too, was like out survive 1000 players. So it's across every game you play, you know, people are getting knocked out left and right. So you might not always be getting to the top 10. Like, I I think I told you I can probably get to the top 15 anytime I'm really trying for it for the most part. Um, But there are people who can't and that's fine. But, you know, what if you only get to like the top 60 every time? You're still making progress towards that out survive a thousand players every single round you're playing. So I like those two, the ones that you don't have to be good at combat. You just have to play the game and explore like those kind of challenges really appeal to me, which is. Yes. Yeah, that's the real reason why I wanted to bring up season three for Fortnite is because they massively overhauled how they're doing challenges. And I wish more games would look at what they're doing and steal it because I want that in more games that I play. Yeah, that was one of the best things about Hearthstone. You and I had talked about that long time ago with how they did their challenges on just being able to play the game and you would get rewards for doing so that it wasn't necessarily a progression based thing. It was just, oh, this is a neat little daily quest. So I'm just going to play and it made it more fun because there was something to look forward to yes i love rewards for playing the game 
and for just participating and also rewards for exploring the game and approaching it in new ways. I really don't like rewards for having high skill level because that feels mm-hmm. exclusionary in a bunch of ways that I just, I don't know, they don't appeal to me as much. They used to. And I think it. I think it's getting old. Yeah, that, uh, it, it is. I, I really do because I used to love skill based rewards, and now I just look at it as like you young whippersnappers. Uh, I don't think I ever did. I don't think they were ever appealing to me. But I can see how they would be for you. <laughs> I had really low self esteem, so it let me do something where I could prove that uh, that I had earned it and that I was really good at something like that. And so, like, I use video games as a very unhealthy way of coping with things like that. Yeah. No, we've talked about that before, but yep. maybe we should come back around and do it as a topic again sometime soon. That's true. Um, I think that's it for this week. I will be playing some Fortnite between now and next week because <laughs> season three has me hooked. But oh, actually, there's a really cool game coming out this week, so I'll talk about that next week. Um, anyway, that's it. You can write to us with comments, suggestions, or feedback. Our email address is geek2geekcast at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter at geek2geekcast. We also have longer discussion threads on the subreddit at reddit.com slash r slash geek2geekcast. And we're on Slack, too. Go to slack.geek2geekcast.com for an invite. And uh, we are also part of a podcast network, and everyone is on there talking. And if you want to see who it is, go to geek2geekcast.com to see all of our shows. I blog at agreenmushroom.com, and you can find me at grn mushroom that's green mushroom without the e's on twitter and i'm on twitter as at professor beige and i am vlogging at runningshoes.tv we've been void and beige with your geek to geek podcast that'll do it for this week see you next week geeks bye friendos Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and we are the hosts of Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea. We are two best friends who love pop culture and talking about pretty much whatever we want. Katie! Yes? Stop thinking about Zac Efron and tell our future listeners what some of our latest episodes have been about. Well, we've talked about Zac Efron. No, get it together, Katie. Fine. We've talked about fan fiction, classical literature adaptations, favorite TV couples, and so much more. So grab your cup of tea or whatever your drink of choice and download our podcast today. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek.